Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Apollo, John Crane. We're here to cover everything angels in our Sunday Father's Day podcast. John, how you doing, man? Very good. Uh, happy Father's Day to you, Derek, uh, and to me also. <laughs> well, I was about um, to get there. I know. I've <laughs> <laughs> and to all the fathers that are listening, uh, I'm doing great. It's a nice, uh, uh, gloomy uh, afternoon or uh, morning in uh, California today. Same here, man. So I'm running all night here in Ohio. So it's been just a blast listening to patter, patter, patter of the rain, and the kids are all caged and they want to get outside and they can't. So fun, fun, fun. No rain, just just overcast out here. But because it, it, like never rains there, oh. doesn't rain enough, and 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 we and they've never done any preparation to to you know the fact that we are in a desert. Uh, yeah, so that's why we're always we're always under dropped conditions. But I do miss California a lot, man. I really miss the weather, except for like the 110 degrees at Ramfest. That wasn't fun. But overall, I miss the weather. <laughs> I love the, I love days like these. I don't like the, I don't like the hot days. I like the cool days. I even like the rainy days because we don't get them like you know. It's not like a season of rain. We just get them here and there and enjoy it. But all right, folks. So the reason why we're recording early today is because it is Father's Day. We want to try and get out. With we do so with our families. Matter of fact, you may hear some kids crying in the background because it is the middle of the day. So it's a podcast. Weird things happen. There you go. Also, we do have a couple of big guests coming up, so make sure you are paying attention. Matter of fact, if you are paying attention, go check us out on iTunes and subscribe. Please, we could really use a five-star review. Help us move the charts. If you want to earn that five-star review, Hey, great. Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. Give us your feedback. If you're a new listener and are enjoying the show, please do us a favor. Please text a fellow Angels fan to know about our podcast. We'd really appreciate it. It would mean the world to us personally. All right, so a couple things going on. It is Sunday. Matter of fact, the game, game four of the series is going on right now, and I cannot wait to go get my daughter and watch it with her. But we are going to cover games two and three. We also want to look at the Billy Epler interview with MLB.com. And, of course, we have our Blue Jays preview with Scott MacArthur from Blue Jays Talk on Fans 590. Uh, good guy. was really excited to come on the show and just preview the Blue Jays. And, of course, it means we're going to have some, some Vlad Jr. talk as well. So that's the plan for today. First things first, game two of the Angels and Rays. It was a 9-4 loss. Frustrating in many ways. John, I'm going to ask your first thoughts of the game. It was a it was an Angels game. It was uh, you know we we have a strong start and then and then the uh, wheels fall off. Uh, you know it's it was the oh the damn bullpen did it again and you know and the starter didn't go long enough to uh, to uh, you know to have us avoid getting the bullpen involved so early. To me, I wrote down the notes for wasted opportunities because the Angels were on base so much early in that game. And they just could not take advantage of it. That whole game, who knows how that game unravels if they score six, seven, eight runs instead of the four they earned. Who knows how the decisions change. So it's just a blown opportunity from my point of view that they had it. They could. They, and all reality is they've outplayed the Rays this entire series. And they should probably be up all three games. That's the reality. And that has not happened. They're trying to win this series today. Good luck for them. The bullpen especially was disappointing in this game. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think this was the, the this was the demise of Cody Allen, who's no longer who they, who they optioned out. And uh, I, you know, it's I just it's just and you know I can't wait to talk about ye- uh, yesterday's game because that was the polar opposite of what this game was. You know, you, you get a big lead, you start to feel comfortable, and you just get that sinking feeling that oh no, no, no. And uh, I mean that was a common theme last year. Um, you, you know, you can just never feel safe, and uh, I, I want to feel safe. You want to feel safe? Do you? I want to feel. I want to feel safe when I have. You need a, a hug. A good lead. Need, yeah, I want to feel safe. <laughs> have your wife for that stuff, man. Come on, you want to feel safe. Secure. I just want to sit there and enjoy a game and enjoy a win, a comfortable win. I like comfortable wins. I don't like nail biting, uh, last minute. Uh, you know, if it's got, I mean, it's great after it's all said and done. But I just like good solid uh, wins, and and our bullpen doesn't always allow us to do that. Well, there's a starting pitching, but that's a whole other ah. Yeah, I mean, but. The reality is this, you're going to have your nail-biters, you're going to have your good wins, you're going to have your bad wins and bad losses for that matter. This is a bad loss. The opportunities the Angels wasted, especially come middle innings, that never should have happened, and they paid the price for it. And the bullpen, which has actually been pretty sturdy a lot of time this year, what do you do now here? You just lost our guy, Cody Allen's gone, and he was ineffective. The other guys come back soon, including J.C. Ramirez. I just don't see... A full solution for all you people who are on, on Twitter or whatever, and you're saying, "Hey, listen, we can we can make things happen. We can go ahead and make a couple of trades and get into the playoffs." This is why the Angels are apprehensive to do it. They have too many holes and too many gaps. You can't fix everything enough to be able to compete with the Houston's of the world and the Dodgers of the world for a World Series title. You can probably beat them in a short series like the Angels did the Dodgers this week, but long term, I don't see how that happens. Because you don't have the depth at the important areas, does that make sense? Yeah, and you and you really just you know it's you can analyze, you can look at their history, you can, but you really just can't predict who's going to pay off. You know, the the Joe Kelly with the Dodgers, perfect example. Um, You know, World Series winner. You you think you know? I think we would all have loved to have gotten him. That we thought, oh, we got we're secure. You know, we we got a a stable uh, arm in the in the bullpen, and look what's going on with the Dodgers. It's not just the pitching, too. I mean, if you look at the Angels lineup, it's got several solid players who are difference makers, but it's got gaps, it's got holes. You have guys who struggle to make contact. The bottom of the order right now with Tovar and Rangifo, when you, with Fletcher being out and Lestella being out, all of a sudden there's problems there. And when Lestella gets back, hopefully today, I haven't checked it to see if he's in the lineup, but Lestella gets back and Upton gets back and and Simmons gets back, you're still going to have some gaps in the lower part of that lineup because a lot of these guys don't hit for average. So you can sit there and say, well, the lineup looks great. The lineup, I think, will be fine. It'll, it'll score some runs. It'll be exciting. But it still has some gaps and some holes that the Angels need over time to fix. I, I just don't see easy answers here in terms of this season. Next season and the season afterwards, I see a lot more hope. I really miss the, you know, and I guess I'm lost. I miss the old days when you, you just had the same lineup out there every day. You knew who was standing at first. You knew who was at second. You knew who was at third. You knew who was shortstop. And I, that might be the nature of the game, too, but um, we just don't have that. We, we have a, a rotating lineup. You never know who's going to be where. I mean, some people, obviously, you know who's going to be in center field. Um, but, uh, you know, I just I kind of miss those days. Part of it's just health, though. This team has not been healthy this year, and, and it's had a hard time staying healthy in the last couple of years, which makes me point back at what's going on in strength and conditioning. Maybe, there, there's, maybe there's nothing wrong with over there. But I, I can go back to other sports, including football, and I always fall back on the Rams because that's the team that I've covered the most besides the Angels over the years. And there was a time when they were in St. Louis when they could not go a game without a major injury. All of a sudden, they changed up in strength and conditioning, and the team does not get nearly as hurt now. And they're not on turf, by the way. But that's another fact. I have to be honest with that. I, I wonder also about the Angels strength and conditioning program. I am not in any way saying there's something wrong with it, but I wish I could examine it and know a little bit more to, to kind of rest that one easy. In terms of pitching, by the way, in Game 2, Heaney goes five innings, two strikeouts, three walks, has a rough day in the walk department. Luis Garcia, though, in the bullpen, two-thirds of an inning, three runs. Tim Butcher takes a loss. He has a run in one-third of an inning. Two hits, gives up. 
But Cody Allen, really, that was it. Cody Allen gives up in 2004 hits, four runs, two walks. He's just not the pitcher he was. And I hate being right, John. I was right on this. And sometimes you don't want to be right. I, I, yeah, I know. I wasn't, I wasn't bragging that you were right, I was, but I did say that you, you mentioned that to us. Um, I just, you know, I, I look at the, you know, talking about strength and conditioning, and I know it's a different world, and, and, you know, you probably have better, more knowledge in this than me, but, you know, there was an article on Angel, angels.com, uh, you know, about Nolan Ryan's 235-pitch start. He pitched, uh, thir- it was a 13-inning game, and he pitched 235, excuse me, 235 pitches. Um, I, that's, that's three games. That's three pitchers in today's world and three solid pitchers in today's world. And I just don't understand. We have better equipment. We have better, uh, you know, game plans, uh, whatever we're, uh, trainers. And, and I just don't understand how, you know, I, I applaud. I'm so excited over a six inning start like we got yesterday. Well, there's just the caveat to that. You're talking about what Nolan Ryan did. Nolan Ryan, a was a physical freak. Okay, we gotta be fair on that one in terms of who he was. A physical freak. I mean the guy was not this massively well built dude he physically, but his body just was that, you know. But when you look at pitchers today, it was well it's different, John. It's just different. It is not out of the norm now for a pitcher to throw 98, 99 miles an hour. Matter of fact, this is what the Angels look for in their pitchers. They want guys who can throw gas. In the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, it was considered great if you had a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. Things are changing. Pitchers are changing. They, they want to throw harder. And when you throw harder, it has wear and tear in your bodies. These pitchers can't stand up to two, 230 pitches anymore or even 130 pitches anymore because of the amount of physical strain you're putting on your body and the, the way people have their wind-up. Like, I've, I've talked about Camden's wind-up, and Camden's wind-up concerns me a bit because of how he moves towards the plate. It's very much arm-focused, and that's an injury waiting to happen. I'm not saying it will happen, by the way, but it could happen. Um, look at just when you see him pitching right now. He's pitching right now. Go look at that. So you, you look at that, and you know the game of pitching is different, it's more specialized, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are actually working their bodies and training their bodies to throw harder, but there's a sacrifice with that. Well, but, but you know, Nolan Ryan wasn't exactly a finesse pitcher. He threw the ball hard, too. He but did. I think, I, but I, I mean, but you're saying, I think what you're saying is that, it, we, but we're, we're grooming these players to be a six-inning start so we can bring in the middle reliever and then bring agree, in the yes. close. Yeah, I mean, and that's how that's how we're raising them. But that's the byproduct, the fact that you're you're basically raising up pitchers now to throw gas, like they've never had to do it before. There is a physical sacrifice you make. There just is, and that that comes with your ability to go deeper in the games. Well, and that's what I I mentioned it uh, a couple of few weeks ago, probably longer, about Griffin Canning and how he was saying, you know, he he expects to pitch a full game. That's what he did in UCLA. Now, he probably didn't pitch as much. He didn't pitch as much, obviously. But, um, you know, I just like that attitude of I I plan on, you know, pitching the full the full game. Um, He hasn't done that yet. And obviously that's because I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I just think it's. I just look at it sad when I see that article about Nolan Ryan, and I think that I'm. I'm like, come on, get past the fifth inning. Come on, we can get past the fifth inning, and that seems to be very regular around the. Uh, that's the standard around it's, MLB it's just today. It's a different game now, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I know. Game two, I mean, we really want to get into the upper conversation. Game two, the the concerning thing is the top three members of the lineup: Calhoun, Trout, Otani combined went over thirteen. It was the middle part of the lineup, Kevin Smith, Brian Goodwin, David Fletcher, and Justin Bohr, who provide the offensive firepower. They went 5-3. Pitching-wise was totally different. Jose Suarez uh, did all right. Five and two-thirds innings, three runs. Really kind of got tired, probably in the fifth. He did fine the first five. Cam Bedrosian, one of their innings. I've, I've been on the Cam train. Ty Butcher comes back and pitches a nice eighth, and Hansel Robles a nice nine, totally opposite in terms of bullpen performance. Robles probably is not available today, by the way. He's pitched two straight days. Uh, so that's the basic gist of it. Nothing major. Angels hit quite a few home runs yesterday. Three home runs. Kevin Smith, uh, Dave Fletcher, and Justin Bohr 
nice job providing run support there. So I don't have too much to comment on. It was a well-played game across the board. Angels won with pitching. The team can win with pitching, man. They can't. Just the fact, just the fact that Suarez walked out there in the sixth inning was, to me, a victory uh, for him and for uh, for Angels fans that they actually sent him out there uh, in the sixth inning. And I also, you know, you can look at it. There's a half glass, half full, half half glass empty. So the top of our lineup totally blanked out, but the bottom line, bottom picked it up. If that was a regular thing, if you know you're up while I'm down and I'm up while you're down, you know that could be a combination for a, a successful season. Just a side note, is the game going right now? It's 1-1 as the Angels once again go for 500, the quest for 500. Lord knows we really want just to get 500. Come on, break that metal block right there. Listella did play. He's at second base stage. Mike Trout's already scored. Uh, sorry, Listella scored around. Mike Trout's been on base. Uh, he has a hit. He's one for one. And Albert Pujol did drive in a run as well. So it's 1-1, the home run given up by Griffin Canning. And that goes to... Brandon Lowe for Tampa Bay. So tomorrow we'll have more information on this game for tomorrow night show. All right. So one thing we've been dying to cover. We haven't got to it yet, and this will be the last time we cover for today before we go to our, our interview with, with Scott MacArthur. GM Billy Epler sat down with Rhett Bollinger, covers the Angels now for MLB.com. He sat down with him this week for a brief interview, and he asked several key questions. And I bring this up, and John really wanted to cover this. Because we get so much pushback on social media these days. So much on social media about the Angels' plan. They don't have a plan. They don't have a few, you know, this is, they're signing these guys to one-year contracts, blah, blah, blah. And to get into Billy Upper's mind a little bit here was nice. Really nice to see what he had to say. A couple of things I want to just pull up and quote for you here. And he's asked, starting pitching-wise, it's been a struggle. Matt Harvey and Trevor Cahill are on, on the injured list. What have you made of the rotation? And he proceeds to talk about Dylan Peters and the impact he made. And what their goal right now is just get out of six innings with three runs or less. If we do that with an opener inserted there, that's fine. He's talking about using the opener. If they could score 4.9, five runs a game, they think they can win. Very achievable. Okay, very achievable. He's, He's expressing... Excitement about Upton being back. But here's the key question that... There's two key questions here that, that Bollinger asks. He asks, You mentioned guys like Suarez and Canning. We've seen them up here, but what about prospects in the minor leagues? He talks about... Billy Epic replies, I think they've been doing great. I think our pitching has been phenomenal in our farm system. It's got a lot of upside, and a lot of guys have been moving pretty quick. He mentions Luis Madero. Okay, he's now in double-A. Patrick Sandoval, the, the Angels... 12th prospect pushes away triple A. Jose Soriano, the Angels' 13 prospect, was clocked between 93 and 99 miles an hour with above average curveball, and it looks like the ceiling is massive on him. So, those are his comments about his players. He says, What he says, we're trending back into an era of a farm system I think the Angels fans experienced between 2002 and 2008. These are perennial top 15 farm systems and in those years, top, in some of those years, top five. The 03, 04, 05, 06 years, all top five farm systems that set up a dynasty, or at least what I could consider would consider a dynasty, which means all those AL West titles. And that's a good feeling we have when we have, and that's a good feeling when we feel like we're trending that direction again. And the last question here: You've talked about rebuilding on the fly. Has it been the process here? This is very key, folks. This is this is the okay. part that I like the, okay. the highlight of this interview for me. I'm going to quote him. He says, "Absolutely." I think I've been very upfront on both myself as well as owner Arnie Moreno. Those are in brackets. This wasn't a team that ever looked to tank or punt or any of those things. We didn't want to look that way. It wasn't fair to the fans. It wasn't fair to this organization to do that. And it also wasn't fair to players in the clubhouse. We've been sitting with Mike Trout. We should always take the opportunity to try and win as many games as possible, but not, but just not to the point where we're going to jeopardize future building of the farm system as well as the financial health of the organization. Okay, so it wasn't a complete teardown. And they weren't going to do it to the fans, they were going to do it to the players. I know some fans wanted to do that, but that, there's a domino effect when you do that. There's a huge domino effect. Look at what is going on in Detroit now and going on other clubs that are not drawing fans. And, I mean, we talked to, to the guy from Detroit, locked on Tigers, and he felt the Tigers won't be ready for till 2022, 2023. Wow. 
Okay. So I, I think I think what they're you know I think they're because they're, they're doing it this way I think this aggravates fans more because they just see medi- mediocrity whereas they're thinking you know I mean I don't know that fans all fans embrace these total implosions where you just you you wipe it all out and you start over and then you're just a miserable team for a few years that happens in the NBA quite a bit um, it doesn't really I don't, you don't see it happen as frequently in the MLB but I think because you're doing this way and he's saying rebuilding on the fly we still have a good team uh and but and but you know it's going to take a few more years I think that draws the ires of ire of fans on on Twitter I think even more than than just uh tanking well what it does mean you have, you have to draft right and you mm-hmm. have to make sure you your scouting is is top notch I think they have the right guy for it to rebuild the fly Billy Epler already did it with the Yankees. You'll notice in the Yankees' down years, they weren't actually down. They, they really weren't. Okay, They were kind of sort of good, but not great. But they weren't a 100-loss team. They stayed competitive, they rebuilt, and now they're back to being who they are, the Yankees. So if you are trying to stay competitive, keep people interested, then this is the way to go. And they also have a plan. They just drafted 28 pitchers. 28 freaking pitchers in this last draft. You think they're not building for depth? Hey, John, what's the best trade chip for players? The be- uh, Prospects. What kind of prospects? Uh, top-rated prospects, young prospects, oh, high come prospects. On, come on, come on. I'm looking for something specific. Oh, the pitching? Top- yes, pitching. Sorry, I didn't know you were looking for this for the pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Start- teams, if you want to make a move for a player... Teams are always looking for starting pitching. So the Angels can do a great job developing more pitchers. And they are. They are developing pitchers very well right now. You already well, have two of them up this year, Canning and Suarez. It's funny you mentioned the Yankees because, as we all know, I, I was a Yankee fan as a child. And, and I and I was experienced the 80s where they were just at going out and signing big names, uh, Winfield, Steve Kemp, all these uh, um big names and never they went to a speed team and uh we had a lot of big they had a lot of big names but never never achieved anything out of it it wasn't until later in the in the 90s that they actually started and i think that was a lot of homegrown talent that they actually started uh and had long-term success no one's saying you're going to keep all that homegrown talent you build homegrown talent in some cases, to be able to trade that homegrown talent. I think what the Angels are doing is they're building on pitching first because if worse comes to worse, if you have a major surplus of pitching, that's movable. That's tradable. Nobody wants pitching, Derek. Everybody wants pitching. Okay. <laughs> so, folks, there is a lot more we could talk about. and we're, Throughout this entire season, we'll get more and more to what we believe the plan is. But at the very root, I am really, if you eyeball what they're doing, in the farm system, you're going to see something special happening. It just takes time. And many people don't realize that. They just don't see it. But at the same time, Carlos Colazzo with Jared Timms doing a lot of reading ourselves, following the draft, there's a plan. There's a definite plan. I like the plan, by the way. I don't know if it'll work, but it's better than what's been going on. It's better than what anything that Tony Reed or, or Jerry DePoe were doing. Okay, so before we move on, hey, we're looking for sponsors. Like seriously, sponsors. If you want to advertise on our show, email us talkinghalos at gmail.com. Help us get the lights on. Uh, we're doing good work. We're getting better every episode. I, I kid you not. We've come a long way in less than two months. I, I, I'm pretty surprised, actually, how well we are doing. It, tells, it shows you we are right. There was a need for more Angels media out there, more Angels coverage, more people talking Angels baseball. Guess what? You got it. All right. All right, so here's our interview with Scott MacArthur. From Blue Jays Talk on Fans 590 in Toronto. He also works for Sportsnet. Check it out. All right, folks, here's Scott MacArthur from Blue Jays Talk on the Fan 590 in Toronto. Also works with Sportsnet. How are you doing, Scott? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing just fine. We're doing a little bit of celebrating now here because the Lakers got AD, but you guys have a bigger celebration going on there, don't you? We do, yeah, and uh, Monday is the parade, and they're expecting at least a million people uh, to congregate in downtown Toronto for that. So um, it's pretty amazing. It's, um, you know, Toronto FC, the Major League Soccer team, uh, won an MLS Cup in in 2017, the Canadian Football League team that, that nobody in Toronto really cares about. We're more of an NFL town. 
Um, but they've won uh, a number of Grey Cups. This is the first so-called Big Three. I don't say Big Four because we don't have an NFL team, but this is the first Big Three title the city has won since 1993. So it's, it's obviously a, a huge deal. Uh, it's well-deserved, too, man. Uh, you just took a big risk out there, and then uh, you made it work. The Toronto didn't. Yeah, yeah well, so just, make sure the, uh, just, just make sure the Clippers don't swoop in and take Kawhi, huh? I got no control over that. I, you know, I I find it hard to believe that he would leave. Honestly, I'm I'm sure the city treated him pretty well. I'm sure that the uh, he I'm sure he won a title there. I'm not sure why you'd want to leave at that point. Go back and defend it. I well, think that's yeah. I mean, my my thought is, um, you know, Kyle Lowry's contract is up at the end of next year. Mark Gasol has a player option for next year that I assume, given its value, I think it's like $21, $22 million bucks, he's going to exercise to stay. Not sure at his age he's going to get more than that uh, to go somewhere else. So I would assume he exercises it. Why not sign a one-year deal if you're Kawhi? Take one more run at it here, and then next summer head home or do whatever you want to do. That, that, that's, that's what occurs to me because I think the Raptors are ready for a reset after next year as it is given the contractual status of their veterans. Um, but, uh, hey, neither you nor me are in the brain of Kawhi. He gets to decide. And I, at this point, he probably has earned it, and finally to be a free agent and all. But, you know, hey, moving over to baseball, though, I have some questions, and not all of it's on the current team. In getting ready for the interview, I just remember it was almost three years ago the Blue Jays were in the playoffs twice in a row in the American Championship Series. So can you let folks out West who aren't as familiar the Blue Jays know what happened to this team? Yeah, if, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, Zach Britton uh, is still sitting out there in the right field bullpen. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, sorry, that's a big joke. Buck, Buck Showalter, of course, not putting his closer into the game. Instead, he put in Ubaldo Jimenez and Edwin Encarnacion, hit a mammoth home run to walk it off and win the wild card game, and, and the Blue Jays advanced. What happened was... Um, I think foreseeable to, to, to anybody who was, who was close enough and, and following the team, um, a core featuring Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, Troy Tulowitzki, and Josh Donaldson, uh, simply was not going to be contending in 2019, uh, the way that it was in 2015 and 2016. And I, I think that has a point that has been proven, Jose Bautista is a free agent out of the game, 38 years old. He'll turn 39 in October, unable to find work. Josh Donaldson's having a nice year for Atlanta, and Encarnacion just got acquired by the Yankees and has hit 21 home runs. But I, I'm referring more to the fact that the, the Blue Jays were just not willing to give these players the term in particular on on respective contracts that that would have been required to keep them and and so mark shapiro and and ross atkins there's a very long story uh, about how mark shapiro ended up here and how alex anthopoulos ended up leaving uh, but that all happened and then for a couple of years shapiro and atkins were in charge of the 16 team anthopoulos built it but they were running the 16 team that, that won the wild card and went to the ALCS and eventually lost to Cleveland. But as they, as they oversaw the end of that into 2017 and 2018, they, and I'm using air quotes here, they tried to contend. They tried to extract whatever they could out of what was left of that, that aging core while at the same time trying to lay the foundation for a replenishing an overhaul of the minor league system. And Josh Donaldson getting hurt, and Marco Estrada falling apart, or, or some would say maybe reverting back to what he was when he was in Milwaukee, and a number of other things that happened, the Jays just fell off the cliff. And and once Donaldson left as a free agent, well, he was traded to Cleveland, but, but once his tenure here ran out, that was really it, and and they have completely gone young, and they are now supplementing the youth with aging veterans like Clayton Richard and and Edwin Jackson, um, and a subpar offensive shortstop, although he's a good defensive shortstop like Freddie Galvis, um, guys who won't be here 
when the team is good again. They are in the throes of a rebuild, and, and they felt that that was the direction they had to take. So just to follow up on that, in the throes of a rebuild, how has that been working out? I, we're, I know Vlad Guerrero Jr. is there. I have specific questions about him. But the rest of the rebuild in terms of your farm system, the draft, how's that been working out this far? Well, Baseball America has the Blue Jays farm system ranked third um, out of the 30 big league teams. Now, that is going to take a little bit of a hit because players are already starting to graduate. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is here. Kevin Biggio, son of Craig, the Hall of Famer, a 20-year Houston Astro, has arrived. Bo Bichette, son of Dante, who uh, very briefly played for the California Angels um, almost 30 years ago, uh, but is more known for his time in Colorado. Uh, Bo uh, broke his hand in late April, hit by a pitch, uh, playing for AAA Buffalo. He has now returned to action and is playing for AAA Buffalo again. And the belief is, is that he is on a track to come up in the next few weeks, potentially earlier than the All-Star break, if he performs well. And so that would be another guy that everybody is looking uh, forward to seeing. My, my question is, is where's the pitching going to come from? They have a, an absolute fireballer at double A by the name of Nate Pearson, who consistently throws his fastball in the 102-ish mile per hour range that they are very high on. I think they're committed to having him be a starting pitcher until he shows them otherwise. There are a couple of other guys that they're somewhat intrigued by, but if there is an area that they need to address and witness the drafting of Alec Manoa, big massive right-handed pitcher, took him 11th overall out of the University of West Virginia a couple of weeks ago in the draft, if there's an area they need to address they need to address their pitching. And so from a draft and develop point of view and from an acquisition via trade point of view, and maybe when the time is right, trying to be shrewd and, and, and buy appropriately and responsibly in free agency, from those points of view, they're going to have to uh, address their arms because that's the one area of concern I have right now. And if you can't pitch in baseball, you're not going to win. And if you don't have pitching in the American League East, absolutely you've got no chance. Well, that's the same for us out here out west. The Angels can't pitch a lick, and that's why they're two games under. They have a decent lineup. And it's also the reason why the Angels just went and drafted 28 pitchers in the last draft. Yeah. And so we know the feeling. We understand. But all that said, the Blue Jays have shown some fight. They smashed the Astros today 12 nothing. They swept the A's in the road earlier this year. They took 2-3 from the Yankees at one point. The same for 3-4 for the Twins. What has kept them from being more consistent, though? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I'll just give you the short answer and then follow up with a longer one. They're, they're just a bad baseball team. So the, the short answer is they're bad. Now, um, the future is bright offensively. You know, with Vladdy, and uh, they're very high on Bo Bichette. Kevin Biggio uh, is starting to hit a little bit, but it's really his keen batter's eye that has stood out. I mean, he's hitting in the 180-ish range, 17 or so games into his big league career, but he's getting on base at a 350 clip. So he's taking his walks and, and, and stuff like that. The issue is when... When they came, well, I shouldn't say when they came out of spring training. Early in spring training, they had a five-man starting rotation that was supposed to look like this, and whatever order. Marcus Stroman, uh, Aaron Sanchez, who's from nearby Barstow, um, Matt Shoemaker, who you guys know very, very well, Ryan Barucki, who's a, a left-handed uh, sort of change-up specialist, and Clayton Richard. And the hope was that Clayton Richard would then move to the bullpen in mid-April when Clay Buckholtz, who was signed halfway through spring training, was ready to join the rotation. Well, Marcus Stroman has been good and is the ace of their staff. Aaron Sanchez has had repeated finger issues, although he has not missed a start. 
um, he has struggled to go deep into games. He has made 15 starts and thrown 75 innings. I've never been good at math, but I do know enough to know that 75 divided by 15 is five. He's averaging five innings per start. And he has struck out too few and walked too many. He has not been uh, particularly effective, although some would tell you it's a win that he's getting out there every fifth day given the fact that his last two years have been interrupted by blisters and a freak finger injury pulling some luggage last year. Uh, Barucki, in late spring training, came up with a a barking elbow uh, that is effectively now going to cost him the entire first half of the year, and there is hope that he will be back around or a little after the All-Star break, barring setbacks. Shoemaker had an extremely unfortunate situation finishing off a rundown between first and second base on a start in Oakland in late April. Um, He blew his knee out and his ACL went, so he is uh, done for the year. Clayton Richard developed uh, or has had continued knee problems, but they, they, they cropped up in spring training. He missed the first couple of months as a result of that. Clay Buckholtz, uh, did join the team in mid-April, but then came down with a, a strain of his lat three or four starts in, and he is on the injured list. So what they have now is Marcus Stroman, who's been good. They have uh, Aaron Sanchez, who, as I said, has been meh. They have Trent Thornton, who they got from Houston for Aledmus Diaz in the offseason. In a best-case scenario, he's the ace at AAA Buffalo, but instead he has been their number three starting pitcher all year because of performance and attrition. You might even argue, and he pitched in, in Houston today on the Sunday as we talk and, and, and beat his, the, the team that drafted, developed, and, and then traded him. Um, he might even be their number two given Sanchez's performance. And then it's Clayton Richard who is back Uh, but is looking decidedly like Clayton Richard, which is to say in the American League East, not great. And Edwin Jackson, who is on his record 14th Major League Baseball team and has been getting torched every time out, although they used an opener. Uh, Former Giants reliever Derek Law for him in his Wednesday start in Baltimore last week, and that seemed to help. Jackson was better. You decide whether it's the pitiful Orioles or the use of an opener that helped him in that game. He is scheduled, though, to pitch Monday's opener against the Angels. Whether he starts that game or whether he appears in the second inning post-opener, time will tell. Um, But they they simply don't have any pitching, uh, and, and that is the crux of their problem. And outside of Justin Smoke, who will take a walk, they have a, a bunch of veteran players who are sub-300 on base guys, whether it's Freddie Galvis, Brandon Drury, uh, who the Blue Jays got along with Billy McKinney for Jay Happ from the Yankees. Drury has been dreadful offensively. I, that's a diplomatic way of putting it. And Randall Grichuk, who the Blue Jays got from the St. Louis Cardinals in the offseason 2017 into 2018, uh, hits you the odd home run but doesn't do much else. So they've got a bunch of veteran bats that don't get on base a lot, and they can't pitch. That's a bad mix. Wow. So, given your description, this team could probably be worse than twenty six and forty five. They could be like they're going to lose hundred games. They're going to lose hundred games. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think they're going to lose one hundred and fifteen games. Keep in mind, they have the Orioles in the division. Uh, they 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 very well could finish fourth out of five and still lose a hundred. Because the Baltimore Orioles are as bad as they were last year, maybe even worse. And so we'll see where that goes. But it is quite conceivable to me, and I know the Red Sox have been middling along here, and I'm not entirely sure what to make of them. I think they've got holes in their bullpen that are particularly problematic. And I know that they've got a couple of guys with the bat who are not performing to the level that the, the franchise is accustomed to. But it is, it's quite possible to me that you've got three American League East teams in whatever order, Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox that win 88 and above, and you've got two in the Blue Jays and Orioles that lose, you know, if I'm hedging, 95 or more, and maybe even 100 or more. That takes me away from (laughs) that train wreck. I guess we just hit the call (laughs) of that. All right. 
But there is a person in your roster that has a special place in our hearts, and that's Vlad Guerrero Jr. We watched him grow up. And so of course. We, we want to know a little more about how he's doing. How has he performed at this point? How are the fans in Toronto taking him and taking to him? And what has he shown to you guys concerning his potential? Well, everybody, everybody loves him here. Um, and, and we have a special connection to him as well through the very same man that, that you guys do, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., uh, who, of course, played for the Montreal Expos. And there are a couple of iconic photos of Vladdy Jr. as a very little boy uh, wearing an Expos jersey on the field at Olympic Stadium in Montreal with his dad. And uh, Vladdy was born in Montreal. He was born in Canada. So even though he is Dominican, uh, we love to claim him as our own. And, and given the uh, history of, you know, and the, and the legendary career that his father had, uh, he, he comes with much fanfare. Keep in mind as well, uh, that Alex Anthopoulos, the then general manager of the Blue Jays in 2015, traded a couple of bit part players away to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and by bit part players, I mean like prospects buried deep in the system, one of whom is actually Tim LaCastro, who is now playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but traded a couple of bit part uh, prospects to the L.A. Dodgers to acquire the uh, international bonus pool money necessary to secure uh, the ability to sign Vladdy. And Vladdy first came to Toronto in the summer of 2015 upon signing, took some batting practice as a then 16-year-old, and we were all st- standing around going, whoa, <laughs> this guy was crushing baseballs. I mean, even Jose Bautista at the time was like, all right, um, I see what they've got here. Um, so he's, he's obviously a great hitter. Um, I know that his numbers in terms of, of batting average don't blow you away, but look deeper. He's, he's hit his fair share of home runs so far. He is barreling baseballs and hitting a lot of balls hard, especially after that first week to 10 days where it took him a little bit to get attuned. He's more disciplined at the plate now than he was when he first came up in late April, early May. Uh, like I said, hitting home runs, hitting balls hard. He has played... A third base that I would say slightly exceeds my expectation. It has not been perfect, but it has been better than what I thought it would be. So to me, he gets credit for that. Uh, he appears to be. I, I will never go into the clubhouse and pretend like I know um, because we don't live with these guys uh, minute in and minute out um, over the course of days and, and, and weeks and months, like we think we do when we have 60 to 90 minutes of clubhouse access every day. But I, I would say he seems to be a very popular teammate. Um, he's usually the first one at the top step of the dugout or even jumping over the railing of the dugout to celebrate a teammate's home run. It's very obvious that he and Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette developed a very tight bond as close friends in the minor leagues. They effectively came up together. Um, Vladdy got promoted to AAA Buffalo last August, but was a huge part, even though he wasn't in uniform and wasn't there, a huge part of the Eastern League title that AA New Hampshire, based in Manchester, New Hampshire, won last year. And Cavan and Bo were stars on that team, and Vladdy was as well until his call-up to AAA in August. So that, that team effectively, with Vlad on it, but not quite, won a title. So they've won at the minor league level. Uh, they're very close. There's only reason to believe offensively he is, he is going to get better. He is absolutely legitimate in terms of an offensive Major League Baseball player. And I think, you know, guys have to develop, but his bat was probably ready to be in the big leagues a year, a year plus ago when he was still only 19. He's, he is as advertised offensively. Well, that's great to hear. I'm sad you guys got him, but hey, congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're happy we did. We we need things to hold on to right now. So oh, Vladdy will be one of them. Well, he I guess in Bichette and and Biggio will be your cornerstone to build this franchise around. Hopefully, for the next ten years, you know that's what you'd have to hope for. So fingers crossed there. Uh, in the meantime, here and now, just we're getting close to the end here. How do you see this Blue Jays team matching with the Angels both at the plate and pitching staff, and what are your keys for the series? 
Uh, well, I mean, it's uh, Thornton pitched today, so he's the one guy the Angels are going to miss. Um, so it's Jackson, uh, presuming he starts. It could be opener then Jackson, but it's it, it's it's Jackson, Stroman, Sanchez, and Richard Monday to Thursday. Um, look, you're, you're you're pretty much going to see the Blue Jays team that you saw. Uh, with a couple of changes, but the one that you saw in Anaheim at the at the end of April and the and the start of May, um, when the Blue Jays arrived in Anaheim, the day of Tuesday, April the thirtieth, to kick off that three game series, they had just swept Oakland for the second time in in a week, and they were fourteen and fourteen, so they were five hundred. And they had won 10 of 14 to get to 500. They are now 26 and 45. So by my brutal math, that tells me that they are 12 and 31 since the start of that series in Anaheim on April the 30th, which is about um, all you need to know. They did just go three and three on a six game road trip, taking two out of three at Baltimore and then blowing away the Astros to salvage a game of that series, a three game set in Houston. So they've, they, the offense has kind of triggered a little bit in the last few days, um, which I suppose is okay, but we have seen the Blue Jays' offense kind of show us signs of life and then crater again. If you, if you look at the Blue Jays' offensive statistics, and I don't have them right in front of me, but they have been last in batting average, last in on-base percentage, uh, last or close to in slugging percentage, way down in, in walks, so like a bottom seven or so team in walks. Almost every major offensive category, the Blue Jays are, are right near the bottom, not just of the American League, but in all of Major League Baseball. So they really don't hit a lot, even though there are a couple of young players worth keeping an eye on, and they really don't pitch very well. So if the Blue Jays are going to have a good series against the Angels, essentially the facets of the game are going to have to improve. Um, it's a really blanket comment, but it's absolutely bang on. Um, they're going to have to out-hit their pitching, or they're going to have to out-pitch their lack of hitting, whatever the case may be. Um, but I can tell you from a personal perspective, any opportunity I get to see Mike Trout, uh, because he is our generation's Mickey Mantle, and I think it's really important that we realize that that is not an exaggeration and that we appreciate it while we're witnessing it, instead of waiting 20 years to go, oh, yeah, that guy was pretty good. I wish I would have appreciated him more while he was playing. Um, any opportunity I have to see Mike Trout or Shohei Otani, even though I know he's not pitching, or even a diminished Albert Pujols first ballot Hall of Famer uh, five years after he retires, any opportunity I get to see those three guys play to say that I saw them live again, that's what I look forward to. So it'll be cool to have the Angels in town. Um, I just hope the guys can get out of their hotel because if they're anywhere along the parade route uh, tomorrow, this city is going to be full of people. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks so much, Scott, for taking the time th- tonight. I know you guys have you done a game today. You're trying to relax. It's Father's Day. So thanks again so much. Can you let people know where they can find you on social media? Absolutely, and I, I'm happy to do it, Derek. Um, so on Twitter or Instagram, you can get me at Scotty Mac thinks S C O T T Y M A C T H I N K S at Scotty Mac thinks um, I'm all blue Jays all the time, unless something else jumps into my head. And I will warn you that sometimes things do and I feel the need to tweet them. So uh, if you see me complaining about Toronto traffic, or there's a road or a highway you don't recognize. Um, that's probably what I'm on about. Oh man, so cow people get that all the time. They 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 they're with you, man. They're with you. They're. With I just you. want you to know before you boot me <laughs> off here that Highway 401, which runs on the north end of the city of Toronto, is the busiest highway in North America. So don't tell me about the 405 or any of the other freeways down there in LA. As bad as they are, because I have driven on them and I know how bad they are. But Highway 401 in Toronto is the busiest highway, which is not something I should be sounding as proud about as I seem to, because it's it's miserable during rush hour. So that we we lay claim to that, unfortunately. Hey, if you want that claim, you can have it. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Derek. you were an awesome guest, Scott. I hope you'll come back again in the future when the Angels play the, play the uh, Blue Jays again. It was just a really nice talk. Thank you so much. Uh, anytime, Derek. Reach out. You know where to find me. You got it. All right, John. I'm actually looking forward to this series. I think they have, I think they have a great shot at really making some moves in the standings against the Blue Jays. Any thoughts before we go? Yeah, happy Father's Day. I, I, I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm going to go down and watch the game now. I haven't been able to watch it from my, my vantage point here. But uh, how, what's the score, Derek? Do you know yet? Score? Yeah, I just had up. It was it's three one Rays in the bottom of the second. Canning's not oh. having a rough, he's having a rough day. It's still early. It's still yeah. early. So. Okay. Well, happy Father's Day again, Derek, and all to all of you. Till next time. All right. So follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos and search for our page on Facebook at Talking Halos there as well. You can find me, Derek C. Paul, edges at DC Paul on Twitter, and John Crane at Jake's Crane John. Don't forget us on Spreaker and soon to be other podcasts. Matter of fact, we're on many more already, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. Check them out, subscribe, leave reviews, especially on on iTunes, which is now Apple Music, and it means the world to us. All right. For John, this is Derek Seapal saying, take it easy. Have a great one. Happy Father's Day. We're out. City, home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action! Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness! Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action! Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Get it out Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness! Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.